a little tribute to Rush there. I know I, I got that a little for all you old rock and rollers out there. Uh, <laughs> Neil Peart, one of the greatest drummers uh, to ever drum, uh, passed away. And so I see Levi gave him a little bit of love there. I know Cameron gave him a little bit of love there. So that's, that's awesome. We're allowed to do that, right? We're allowed. Okay, I'm just checking. Well, if we're not, we already did it, so it's too late. Um, this morning, we continue in our series. Our series is called Fully You. And we started our series as we unpacked our series. The first thing that we started with in our series was the shame game, saying no more shame game because we live in a shame-based society. And so we talked about how do, we, how do we get past that. Then we talked about understanding anger and how anger can sometimes be good. It doesn't always have to be bad. But we can learn how to channel that anger in a good direction, and we can be angry and sin not. So we learned that. And then today we're talking about change. And the title of the message is The Art of War. And the reason for that is, is change isn't easy. Anybody know change isn't easy? Change is incredibly difficult. It is not easy. And, and as a matter of fact, statistics say people don't change. But as Christians, we believe that anyone can change because God's Spirit offers us the power we need to change. And so, so as we, we look at ourselves, we, we start to, to understand that we're not fighting a losing war. We might lose a battle here and there, but we don't lose the war. And the only way you lose the war is to surrender. And so you have to keep battling. You have to keep fighting. And, and you know, this fight is not an easy fight. It's an ongoing struggle. It's an ongoing challenge. You speak to anyone who is really coming in the right relationship with Jesus, you are not going to be changed overnight. It takes a while. And, here's the, and what happens is you become an enemy of yourself and you quit because you say, I can't live this life. But that's not what God wants for us. We're not perfect. We're being what? Now, that doesn't give us a license to sin, but it challenges us to understand that if it took us this long to get this set in our ways, it's going to take a while to have God change our ways. Amen? And so, so you fight this battle, but you never fail to you quit dry, trying, and you never tr truly lose the war until you stop fighting. And so it's important for us to understand that that. The, the spiritual battle that we face is important, but a lot of times the other battles that we face affect our spiritual battle. There are battles that we face that affect our spiritual battle. There are physical struggles that we go through that bring our spirit down, right? And make us want to quit, make us want to give up. I don't know what it is. It could be you're battling uh, 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 weight. Maybe it's weight. And, and, and for me, that's my struggle. And, and that's a challenge for me because you can tell when I'm winning and when I'm not. Kind of obvious, right? I mean, don't act like you don't go through the Facebook pages. Oh, there's when Mike was winning. Oh, there's when he wasn't. There's when he's winning. There's when he wasn't. But you ain't ever going to see one that says that's when he quit. Right? You ain't going to see the one that says that's when he quit. Right? But you're going to see the one, oh, look, there's skinny Pastor Mike. Oh, there's medium Pastor Mike. Oh, there's Pastor Mike. <laughs> right? I'm, and, and people acting like they, they don't, you know. I love people, you know. 
<laughs> I love it when you're losing weight. They go, oh, you look like you're losing weight. When you ain't, they're like, oh, hi. <laughs> Sup? But you know, everybody's battle, you can't see everybody's battle. You don't know everybody's struggle. And some of us are struggling on the inside, and you can't see it on the outside. And that can be crushing. It can be crushing because you feel alone and you feel like I can never do it. All I know is, is that God calls, calls us not to quit. And truthfully, the bottom line is one day I win. The Bible promises a heavenly body. I'm going to get that one day. But until that day, I ain't going to quit because I know my health depends on it and other things depend on it. But obviously, at the same time, I'm not going to quit. And then when you add an additional struggle to that, such as anxiety and panic, now it makes it even worse because now you start struggling with the idea of change and it's not easy. It becomes more difficult because the enemy starts to fight you on different fronts. And many of us are fighting battles on different fronts. You think this is the main battle, and then you get, you get hit over here. You get flanked on this side and this side. And then before you know it, you start giving up. But that's not what God's called us to. And then what happens is it affects that spiritual battle. Like I said, and the spiritual battle truthfully is more important than the physical battle. But it affects the physical battle so greatly that it keeps us, the first issue, ashamed. Doesn't it? Brings us right back. And then what do we do next? We, we take step two. I'm angry. I'm mad at myself that I can't. So now I'm ashamed and I'm angry. And then I use this proclamation, I'm never going to change. What you just said is God can't do it. I don't know anything God can't do. I know he's the master of the impossible. Right? And so, so what we have to do is we have to start, start to live out of the deep place within us, the deep place where God's spirit lives. This is where we need to, to dig into. Our lives can be like a home with a broken foundation. If you try to build your house on a broken foundation, no matter how pretty you make it, no matter how glorious it looks, it is going to crumble. The Listen, some people say, I don't want to do it because it's going to take too much work to fix the foundation. Well, if you don't fix the foundation, the house is never going to stand. It might look pretty from the outside for a little while, and you may walk in there, but eventually that house is going to crumble. You have to do the hard work of fixing the foundation. And then you can build the house that God has intended for you to build, but until the foundation is fixed, it will always be shifting sand. And you know what the work of building the foundation is? It's slow, and it's hard. And it's difficult. And then you, you get into the project and find out there's more to the project than you thought. You start peeling back the subfloor and realize there ain't no subfloor. Then you start digging and you find roots. Roots of things that have been keeping you from a solid foundation because they've been pushing against the foundation. They're the very thing that cracked the roots. So until we dig out the roots... Foundation is always going to be shifty. And so it's hard work. 
And then we hear things like statistics say people don't change. Well, the truth of the matter is God helps us change. When we surrender the battle to him, right? Every victory, we just have to wage war and understand that there's no war that you're going to fight that you're not going to lose a battle or two. You're going to lose a battle or two. You're going to have to regain and you're going to have to go back, restructure, regather the troops and get right back after it. Your enemy, when he thinks he's got you on the ropes, is only going to increase the offensive against you. And that's what the Apostle Paul writes. And so I'm going to do something unusual this morning. I'm actually going to read the, very, the, the, the chapter from 7 to 25. I'm going to read Romans. Because I want you to hear this because here's what I know. This is what people think. See, Brother Art, this is what people think. People think that the guys in the Bible didn't suffer like me and you. They, they weren't human. But they're just as human as, as us. So, so what happens is we say, well, he, he doesn't know. He had, he had an extra special Holy Spirit. I only got the, the mini Holy Spirit version. You know, when you go, to, you go and you order the mini and not the large, you know, I just got the mini. I really don't know what that's like because I always order the large. But, you know, you know what I'm saying. Wish I was joking. <laughs> what shall we say then? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. So people who think the law is not good, the law tells us something is wrong. And it's good the same way pain tells you something's wrong or you wouldn't go to the doctor. So he says, for I would not have known what is to covet if the law had not said you shall not covet. But look at this word. But sin seizing the opportunity. Everybody say seizing the opportunity. See, the enemy, he waits to seize the opportunity through the commandment produced in me all kinds of covetousness. Uh, for apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing the opportunity, through the law, uh, through the commandment, deceived me, and through it killed me. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. Everybody say, by no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin. I'm going to read that again. In order that sin might be shown to be sin. So we understand it, right? There's a problem because people keep redefining sin. And through the commandment might... Uh, become sinful beyond measure. It says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh sold under sin. For I do not understand my own. Anybody, anybody there in the room today? Come on. I don't understand my own actions. Oh, so many. We try, man. It's not for lack of trying, right? 
but I don't understand my own actions. Look at what he says. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Anybody in the house? Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law, that is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin who dwells within me. That's why we say you love the person, you love the sinner, but you hate the sin, right? It says, for I know everything, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. Notice he said that, and most of us stop there, and we start talking about how there's nothing good in us, and that's not true. Notice he said it was in the flesh. Did he say the spirit? No, he says, no good thing dwells within me that is my flesh, making sure you understand that God who lives in you is good and dwells in you. Come on, church. And he says, for I, for I have the desire to do what's right. Can you say amen? amen? How many times do we really set out and we have the desire to do what's right? We really do. Right? But not the ability to carry it out. Help me, Jesus. For I do not do the good I want. But the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now... If I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Again, we're talking about sinner versus sin. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what's right, evil lies close at hand. Didn't we read some about that last week? Didn't it say sin is crouching at the door? You remember that? Look at what he says, for I find it to be the law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. And here's what happens to me. I say I'm going to make a decision, right? And then I go to the restaurant, and it's free dessert day. Come on, man. Come on, man. That ain't right. You know what I'm saying? Free dessert day. That ain't even right. I wish I wasn't like, you know that good place, Yoder's, that has them serious pies? Look, people are testifying. They're shouting louder than that. You know what I'm talking about. Go there, and they're like, oh, any pie free today? We won that battle, though, baby. We said no that day. We watched our friends eat pie, and we weren't happy. Sinners. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm kind, I'm kind of joking. Anyway. <laughs> He says, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being. And guys, that's what I want you to hear. I delight in my inner being. I know you're trying. God knows you're trying. God knows we're trying. He knows that we delight in those things. Give yourself a little bit of grace or you're never going to change. If you keep condemning yourself, you'll never change. You know that you delight on the good, in the good things. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of uh, against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am. Now here comes my favorite part. Y'all need to hold on. Here we go. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but in my flesh I serve the law of sin. He says, who can save me? And the answer is Jesus and only Jesus. 
Now, I took the time to read that so that none of us in this room would think that somehow God doesn't understand our struggle. To think that somehow God doesn't identify with us. He identifies with you. He identifies with me. And some of our struggles are easily seen and many of our struggles are not. But God knows them all. Give yourself some credit. Give yourself an opportunity. No more shame game. No more anger. Start working. Start seeing God do this. Listen, the first thing I want you to see and I want you to fill in and I want you to write it down because it's important, change is hard. There's your big theological point for today. Change is hard. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do what I don't want to do, and I do, but the, I do the very thing that I hate. Change is hard. All of us are going to be going through that. All of us are struggling. We feel that way. I don't, want, don't know what I should do. I don't do what I know I should do, and the things I don't, that I hate, I end up doing, and it makes us feel broken and helpless and hopeless and ashamed and fearful. It's not easy to preach this message from that place. It'd be easier to preach this message uh, 40 pounds lighter. Right? Wouldn't it? I know it would be for me. I might not sweat as much, but anyway, you know what I'm saying. Truthfully. They're like, this man's preaching from Big Mike. At least preach from Medium Mike. No, because I'm working toward Medium Mike. But it's going to take a minute. But God knows change is hard, and that's why. That's why. Oh, my goodness. That's why I'm so glad Romans didn't end at chapter 7. Can you say amen? See, Romans chapter 8. Oh, the book wasn't done. The letter wasn't completely unfolded yet. We get to Romans chapter 8, and, and, and then we start to understand how we're going to live real change. The first thing I want you to see in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That means the shame game's done. The anger game's done. The condemnation's done. Now it's time to move. It's time to move. And you know what the title, the little title at the top is Life in the Spirit. It says Life in the Spirit. He asks who can save me. And the answer is Jesus. You see, because when Jesus comes into your heart and Jesus comes into your life, then he asks the Father to send the Holy Spirit who doesn't just live around you but then lives in you and gives you the power to guide and lead and direct and teach you. You see, when we come in a right relationship with Jesus, we get the general of our spiritual war. See, our general, general Holy Spirit steps in and starts waging war differently than you and I have waged war. And the key is no condemnation. Instead, it's conviction. Because here's what I believe. The Holy Spirit's conviction is really what brings about change. The Holy Spirit's conviction is what brings about change because it says, I'm help and I'm hope. I know it's hard, but I'm going to help you. I know it's hard, but I'm going to give you hope. Condemnation says you're never going to do it. You're helpless and hopeless. Conviction says, I'll do it with you. I'll do it with you. 
And so it's important that we need to start confessing. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We start to understand that the Holy Spirit is at work in us. And the truth of the matter is, number two is this. Real and lasting change always starts on the inside. It always starts on the inside. It might be seen on the outside, but it's the inside that gave you the motivation. You see, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and body and soul be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says the, it's the Jesus' work. He has the Holy Spirit at work in us, and that Holy Spirit sanctifies us, which means perfects us, and that's why we're saying we're not perfect, but we're being, which is a work of the? We just have to work in concert with him. And so we understand real and lasting change happens. Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh sets their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. We have to change our confession. You have to change your fleshly confession that you cannot to your spiritual confession that you can. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So we start, so I again say thank God for Romans 8. He didn't just point out we got a problem, but he helped us with the solution, amen? So it's important for us to understand. So how are we going to see that real and lasting change? We have to set our hearts on things above. We know the things that we shouldn't do. We need to find ways to interrupt them. In Romans 6, uh, 8, 6, and 7 says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death. Everybody say death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile toward God. Now let me add something to this. You see what happens when you start saying you can't, you set something up above God. And the Bible says this, it says that we need to cast down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus. The next time we start talking about can't, we need to start talking about can. It says, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. For you, however, aren't. Look at this. That's what I love about Paul. He says, you, however. You, however. Now, you need to put you in there because we don't do that enough. You, however. You, however. You, however. You, however. You, however. You, however. Look at this. Are not in the flesh but in the spirit. In fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. This will preach itself. I don't even have to do anything else. Because anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Real and lasting change happens one step at a time, one minute at a time, one decision at a time. And prayer can be a great weapon. Prayer can be that weapon. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me drive by that Krispy Kreme. You know what I'm saying. Help me, Jesus. I'm glad it's up on 88th or something. You know what I'm saying. That's a long drive for a donut. I ain't saying I ain't made that drive, but you know what I'm saying. I'm just trying to be real here. You know what I'm saying? 
trying to be truthful like I don't know where it's at. When the red light's on, pray. You know what I'm saying? Drive by, you didn't see it, you didn't see it. Hallelujah. That milk didn't end up in the car by mistake. You know what I'm saying? All right, help me, Jesus. All right. Enough confession. But number three, spiritual disciplines are the key to lasting change. Spiritual disciplines are the key to lasting change. It's what we do. Philippians, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. I said, for it is God who works in you, both to the will and the work of his good pleasure. God is working. Don't quit. God is working. Don't quit. God is working. Don't quit. You're right there at your moment, but if you quit, you'll never have that moment. I deal with my brothers on, on Wednesday so many times. They, they come and they say, oh, but Pastor, I'm not doing it. I was like, are you here? Yes. Are you in Bible study? Yes. Are you studying? Yes. Are you growing? Yes. Are you praying? Yes. Then you're doing it. I know, but I'm not where I want to be. I, don't, I didn't ask you where you want to be. I asked you, are you doing it? I'm not talking about, I don't want you to worry about three weeks. I need you to worry about right now. And, and you made the decision to be here. You made the decision to be here this morning. You could be anywhere else, but you decided to be here. Give yourself credit. You're taking that small step. We don't do that enough because we live the shame game. Then we get mad at ourselves, and then we say we don't deserve God. So we stay away. Am I right or wrong? I'm not asking for forgiveness this time because I don't deserve it. You didn't deserve it the first time. All you're hurting is God when you stay away. The disciplines of prayer and solitude. That's why I'm so excited that the men's retreat's coming. The women's retreat is coming. We're going to get a chance to practice solitude. And guys who had never practiced it before got a chance to practice solitude, and it's become a part of their life. And most of the guys long to go to the retreat just for the solitude because you get a chance to be just with you and God. Solitude is important. Scripture reading, scripture reading, and not so you can teach somebody. Scripture reading so you can grow in your faith and love God more. So many times we, we work like this. It's shame-based. We say, oh, I'm going to read this Bible, and Jesus is going to love me more. No, he's not. He loves you as much as he's ever going to love you. But do you love him as much as you're ever going to love him? And the answer is no. You can grow in your love for God, but he already loves you as much as you're ever, he's ever going to love you. But you can love him. And how do you want to love him? You love him by knowing what he's done for you, how he's done it, and what he wants to do in your life. That's why I read this Bible and study this Bible because I want to love Jesus more. He already loves me as much as he's ever, he loved me when I was a sinner. That's why my life verse is, is Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his love in this, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That's me. Meditation on the word. Maybe you just need to read one verse and just meditate on it. God, what are you trying to say to me in this verse? What are you trying to say to me? Is there something I need to do? Do I need to slow down? Do I need to speed up? Do, what do I need to do? Help me, God. Practicing the presence of God. 
Sometimes it's important to practice, and some people say, how do you do that? You just acknowledge his presence wherever you are and rest in his presence and maybe stop talking for a little bit. Imagine that. You know, when we pray, we're like, okay, thanks, God. And God's like, but can I say anything? It's a one-way conversation, but prayer is not a one-way conversation. It's a two-way converse. You have to pray and then listen. Sometimes we pray and we pray and we pray, and God can't get a word in edgewise, and then he's so, we run away so quick that we don't hear his presence. We have to practice the presence of God. It helps us on the journey. It amazes me that people look to rocks for power. It amazes me that people talk about the, the power they get from the sun. It amazes me that people talk about the, the, the power they get from the stars and the moon or their spirit animal. What? Oh, if you put this out into the universe, it's going to come back to you. Don't see it in here. I do not see it in here. But I do see the man who made the universe in here. I do see in this book that the Bible says that if I don't cry out, the rocks will cry out in my place. The Bible says if I don't clap my hands, the trees are going to clap in my place. The Bible tells me that it was God who hung the sun and the stars and the moon. So who are you going to go to, the one who hung them or, the, or, the one, or, or as they hang and they're going to burn out one day? know what I'm saying? We run to creation over creator. Then wonder why things aren't working out. You know why we do it? Because we want power over those things. And you know you can't have power over God. Uh Uh-oh, I'm going to let that. Right? Because you can have power over a rock. You can put it in your pocket, set it on a shelf, do all that to it. But you can't put God in your pocket. He can put you in his pocket. So it talks about, it talks about what the Holy Spirit does for us when you're broken. Look at, at, at Romans 8, 23 and, and through 27. It says, not only, uh, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, we have the first fruits of spirit. We groan inwardly as we await eagerly for adoptions as sons, for the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope is that seen that, uh, now hope that is seen is not hope. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait like, uh, with it for patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. I said the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit, this is Scripture. This ain't the PMV. This is actually the ESV. 
The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he searches our hearts and knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Can you say amen and thank God for Romans 8? See, we have to learn the art of war. And the war that we're talking about is spiritual war. It's spiritual warfare. We can't fight with the, with the, with the, the weapons of the flesh. We have to fight in the spirit. The change we desire can be found in Christ. But we're not going to be perfect as you find it. My goodness, we're going to win some and we're going to lose some, but ultimately we win the war. We're being perfected, and that's something that you have got to give yourself grace for. We only lose the war when we stop, guys. We only fail when we quit on ourselves. We go on. Sometimes I look at the pictures of where I was, and I say, man, how would you let yourself get here, man? You go to the gym and you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, man, I don't want to look in the mirror. But then I say, nope, I'm here in the gym. I'm pumping iron. I've been pumping iron since they let me go back to pumping iron. I lost that opportunity when about a year ago my health didn't let me work out for four or five months. But I've been in the gym ever since, and they're working out, working out, in the mirror, working out, looking at what you don't like but seeing those small changes. That's what you got to celebrate. But I'm here. Instead of looking in the mirror and hating what you see, you got to say, hey, you're here. Hey, you can lift weights. You can work out. You could be somewhere else. You could be in the dirt. Right? And so we learn. It's not easy. We only fail when we quit on ourselves. We quit on God. Jesus came to be the change that you need. Jesus came to be the change that I need. Then our lives begin to change one day at a time, one moment at a time, one decision at a time. And right now, a decision stands in front of you, probably the most important decision you'll ever make. Are you going to let God help you? Are you going to forgive yourself? Are you going to let God begin to work in you? Are you going to start a relationship with Jesus? Maybe today's the day you start a relationship with Jesus. And you're not going to be perfect throughout it, but God's going to walk with you. Will you trust God? I didn't say will you trust yourself because I don't trust myself. But I'll trust God. See, I failed myself a thousand times. And I failed God a thousand times. But he's never failed me once. The question is, will you join the fight? Will you use the weapons that God has given you? Will you use the weapons of spiritual warfare? Change starts with one decision. And no decision is a decision. People say, I'm not going to make a decision. Well, you just made a decision not to make a decision. You know what I'm saying? And, then you, and here's the thing. I, I've always thought of saying, don't grieve the results you didn't work for. Don't grieve the results you didn't work for. I wish I knew more about the Bible, but you never read it. I wish I weighed less, but you never got on, a, on an eating plan. I wish I was jacked, but you never go to the gym. Right? 
just going to happen overnight. Yeah, poof. I wish somebody would tell me about some poof. The only thing I know that poofed was my waistline. Poof. Somebody help me, Jesus. I wish I was closer to God. We'll get closer. I wish I loved God more. You're not going to love God more unless you know who he is more. You've got to get to know him. All these are one decision things. Whether you start with five-minute devotion, whether you start with just in the morning, your first prayer is just simply, Jesus, be with me today before your feet hit the... That's it. Just start somewhere. People think you've got to start right there, you know, with 45 minutes of deep prayer as you beat your back. You know, we don't have to go there. I still ain't beating my back. Bump all that. Jesus did all that for me. You know what I'm saying? Now I just get to pray. My knee's so bad I can't even get on both knees. I get on one knee and then have to switch halfway through and catch a cramp, you know? I'm like, Lord, this is suffering. Just want you to know. I'm just trying to be real because my relationship with Jesus is just honest, you know? He already knows I'm trying to concentrate and I've been caught a cramp, you know? And Lord, help me with this cramp. All I hear is Andre, you need a banana. He's like, Pastor, eat a half a banana before you pray. All right? It's the benefits. Andre shows up in my prayer time. Just eat that right there. And give me six reps while you're down there. I'm like, Andre, get out of my prayer time. But my relationship with God is just real, and that's what your relationship with God has to be. Don't make it something it's not. Jesus is my best friend, man. I just want to spend time with him. And, man, I wish I was perfect, but I am just not. But you know what I hold on to? He who began a good work in me is faithful to bring it to completion. And we can do that together. And we can hold each other accountable. We can help one another day by day, moment by moment, second by second, decision by decision. But the first decision is to have Christ in you so the Holy Spirit can dwell in you. And so you can be corrected and rebuked and blessed and encouraged and coached when you need it. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we love you. Thank you for this day. And thank you for the opportunity we have to be here. And thank you for your grace and your goodness. And God, I just pray that as I've just been as transparent as I can be, that people will see from, from your word as transparent as the Apostle Paul was to us. This is an ongoing real relationship with you. And we need you, God. To pretend we don't is foolishness. And God, we're not perfect. And we're so glad, Jesus, you were perfect because we couldn't be. But then you gave us the Holy Spirit to sanctify us and to perfect us. Help us to make those decisions, God. Give us grace, we pray. If you're here this morning and you say, you know what, Pastor Mike, I need Jesus in my life. I need Jesus just like, just like you, you, you talk about you have Jesus. I, I want that same Jesus. And I got to tell you guys, as you're thinking about it, Jesus is no respecter of persons. I don't have a special Jesus. I have the same Jesus that you have or you can have. 
And he'll love you the same way he loves me, unconditionally. If you're here today and you say, man, that's just what I want. I want real faith, real honest faith. I need Jesus more than my next breath or my next heartbeat. If that's you, will you just slip your hand up high in the air? Any honest people in the house today says, that's me. Yes. Thank you. Yes. That's me. Yes. That's what I need. Yes. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. You may place your hands down. Everyone with the sound of my voice, we're going to apply one of the most important gifts we've ever got received. We're going to employ the gift of prayer, which is simply talking to God. And you just from your heart to God's, you just simply can say, Jesus, I love you. And Jesus, I trust you. And Jesus, I give you everything I am and everything I'm not. I know I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm being perfected. So Holy Spirit, come and live in me and guide me and lead me. And God, help me not to quit on myself. Even in times when it seems dark, help me not to quit on myself. But help me, God, to grow in my faith and help me to trust you with even the most difficult things. I give you everything, God. And I promise that when I do fall, and I know I'm going to fall down, that I'm going to run back to you every single time. No matter how much it hurts, I'm going to run back to you. And I'm going to receive your healing and help. It's in Jesus' name that I pray this prayer by faith. And the church said, amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap this morning because he's a good God? Oh, man.